Good morning, Pinion Hills Community Church. How are we feeling today? <laughs> if you got any seats next to you, if you could move over to the middle. we got people still coming in. That would be helpful for us as we start this brand new series called Crash Course. Uh, we're going to be diving in through the course of this series into the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bible with you, turn to Proverbs chapter 14 as we get started this morning. Proverbs chapter 14, whether in your paper Bible or if you got uh, the version Bible, or you can follow along on the screen as well. But as you're turning to Proverbs chapter 14, we're going to play a, little, uh, play a little game called This or That. Now here's how we play the game This or That. I'm going to give you an option and you get to pick this or that. Now perhaps you've played a game similar to this in the past, but if not, it's okay. We'll walk you through it so you can play along with us. Now basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to present you with a dichotomy. Now if you don't know what a dichotomy is, let me give you the de de definition of a dichotomy. Here's a dichotomy. It's a division or contrast between two things that are or are represented as being opposed or entirely different. An example of a dichotomy is oil and water. Oil and water don't really mix. If you had a choice between the two of them, that's kind of an odd thing to choose between, but most of you would probably believe pick water unless you work in oil and gas, and then in that case, you're like, give me more oil. I will take all the oil you can possibly get. Uh, but I'm going to present you with a di dichotomy, and your choice, you get to choose between which option that you want. Do you want this or that? There's going to be an option that's on the left side of the screen, and if you choose that one, then you can raise your left hand. If you choose the option on the right side of the screen, you raise your right hand, which means that everybody during the course of the game is going to be raising either their left or the right hand or a combination of both of those or perhaps both at the same time, unless you didn't put on deodorant this morning, in which case you just can't play the game. Cool? All right, so we're going to play this or that. Let's put up the first one. Here's the first one. Our first one is chocolate or vanilla. Who wants chocolate? Raise your left hand. If you prefer vanilla, raise your right hand. Okay, quite diverse. Okay, there's some people that are very proud. Chocolate! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. Okay, let's do another one. Uh, beach or mountains? Which do you prefer? Beach, left hand, mountains, right hand. Oh, we live in Farmington, so there's quite a few. There's quite a few double hands going up. Okay, you, you prefer both. You need to be in the mountains where there's a beach. <laughs> okay, what about this one? Option number three, or dichotomy three. Cat or dog? Cat or, well, this one, people are very animated. Ugh. I'm not saying a dog eating a cat. I'm just saying cat or dog. You get to pick between them. Okay, uh, what about this? Pancakes or waffles? Oh, this indicates who, who didn't eat breakfast this morning. <laughs> the people with both hands, I didn't eat, now I'm hungry. <laughs> we serve pancakes in the Canyon Cafe, not waffles. Uh, what about this? Fish or steak? Fish or steak? Yeah, some people are like, ah! I went camping a few months ago with my family, and we cooked in a cast iron skillet some fish, and it still smells like fish, so when we cook our steak in there, it tastes like fish, so nah, I don't recommend that. What about this one? Hot or cold? Hot or cold? Which do you prefer? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely on the cold side. You know those walk-in freezers that they have in restaurants and whatnot? I would sleep in that if I could, if I could convince my wife to, like, let's lower the air conditioning in our house to be frosty cold. She is not that way. She could sleep in hell. But for me, <laughs> <laughs> she likes it very hot. I like it freezing when we're sleeping, but, but I mean, opposites attract, I suppose. What about this one? Red chili or green chili? Red or green? Oh! Do I have to decide I choose Christmas? I choose Christmas. Okay, I'm, I'm a green guy myself. What about this? Morning person or night person? Morning or night? Yeah, most of you are night people because if you were a morning person, you would have been in the 9 o'clock service. But for those of you just showing up, just rolling up, I was up till 2 in the morning. I'm a night person. <laughs> All right, a couple more. What about this? Ice cream or sherbet? Ice cream or sherbet? 
Oh, we got a couple sherbet people in here. Okay, all right. All you lactose intolerant people that can't have ice cream. I understand. That's all good. <laughs> what about this next one? Apple or Android? Oh, Apple. Oh, why would you even say the curse word of Android? <laughs> Did you know Apple's coming out with a new iPhone this coming Tuesday? Oh, no, I need a new iPhone. You have a perfectly working good phone right now, but I need a new one. Uh, what about this one? Pepsi or Coke? Pepsi or Coke. Hey, even the sound booth is divided back there. You guys should fight it out. <laughs> you get me neither. Neither, yeah. It's killing rats with all the aspartame or whatever it's called. Uh, what about this last one? Last one. <laughs> what about this one? Winning or Broncos? <laughs> People are like, winning! Nobody stood up and walked out. That's good. It's going to be a good day. <laughs> Uh, well, those are choices you get. It's a dichotomy. You get to choose this or that. And while it may be sometimes easy, sometimes it's difficult to choose between the options that were presented. This morning, I'm going to give you both of those things. I'm going to give you an easy yet tough choice all at the same time that we see from Scripture. So again, if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 8. And in verse 8, we're presented with a dichotomy. You get to choose this or that in verse 8. Let's put it up on the screen. Here we go. Proverbs 14, 8. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Now, in this verse, we're presented with a dichotomy. You get to pick this or that. Which do you want? Do you want wisdom or do you want folly? Now, before you make your decision, I'm actually going to ask you for your decision just in just a second. Before you decide, let me give you the definitions of both of them so you know what we're working with. Wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. That's what wisdom is. Now, folly, folly is the lack of good sense or demonstrating foolishness. In fact, in Proverbs 14.8, there's other translations that change the word folly. Instead of folly, they put foolishness, or they put stupidity, or they just put fools there. So it's either wisdom, this is our choice, our dichotomy, this or that. Do you choose wisdom or folly? I don't mean this to be a rhetorical question. I actually want a raise of hands. Who here, by a raise of hands, would choose wisdom instead of folly? Okay. All right, put your hands down. Who here prefers folly, stupidity, over, okay, a couple, couple people, and eventually you'll grow up to be a little bit older and be like, ah, why did I raise my hand in church for that? In their right mind, nobody is going to be choosing foolishness or stupidity. Everybody's like, I want wisdom. I choose wisdom. That, if, between the option, if I get the dichotomy, if I, get, I get this or that, I am choosing wisdom. That's what I want. And if that's the case, if all the hands, for the majority of them, 99% of them, if all the hands go up for wisdom, then here's a question I have for you. Why do we do such dumb things? That's a fair question, right? Because if we all want wisdom, we want to make good choices, if we want good judgment, then why do we do such stupid stuff? And it's not like a one-time thing. We do dumb stuff over and over and over and over and over and over and over. We continue doing really dumb things. And, and quite frankly, it's just a human phenomenon, isn't it? Because we all want wisdom. We all want to choose doing good things. Yet we find ourselves doing the things that we don't want to do. Now, this isn't a human phenomenon just in 2019. This has been going on for centuries in fact, Paul talks about this in the Bible when he wrote the Church of Rome. In the book of Romans chapter 7, here's what he says to the Church of Rome. Romans 7.15, Paul writes this. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. How many of you, raise your hands, can empathize with that? You do the very things that you don't want to do. Thank you for your honesty. He continues on, verse 18. He says, I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Why? I don't get it. No, this is Paul that writes this. Paul is the, the greatest missionary of all time, yet he's admitting, he's coming clean, he's saying, I find myself doing stupid stuff 
all the time, and I don't get it. I, I, I do the things that I don't want to do. I don't do the things that I do want to do, and I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't comprehend why I don't always do the things that I want to do. Solomon says it this way in Proverbs 26, 11. He says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. You ever seen a dog puke before? For those of you who are hungry at the, the pancakes and waffles comment earlier, now you're not hungry anymore. I've watched this take place before. We used to have a dog. He would puke. He'd walk away, and then he'd come back and sniff it, and then he would lick it. And you'd be like, oh, whoa, why? Why would you do that? I don't understand. If, you, if you've ever had a dog, I don't know if cats do this because I'm not a cat person, but if dogs... I don't know why they do this. They throw up and they go back to it and they, they return to their vomit. They sniff it. They lick it. There must be something. I don't understand it, but there must be something. Maybe it's salty. Maybe it smells good. Maybe it's like, oh, I've already chewed this. I've already eaten it. Might as well just eat it again. There must be something luring or intriguing about vomit for a dog to go back to it and lick it or eat it. And in a similar way, there must be something in our sin, in our foolish decisions, even though we're raising our hands, I want to be a person who's wise, I want to choose wisdom. If I got the choice between foolishness and wisdom, I want to pick wisdom. Even though we say that, oftentimes we keep going back to our stupid decisions over and over. Maybe there's something luring. There's got to be something that's drawing us back, which is why the entire book of Proverbs is dedicated to this concept of choose wisdom. Pursue wisdom over and over and over all throughout the entire book. It's all about pursue wisdom, pursue wisdom, pursue wisdom. The entire theme of Proverbs is all about the pursuit of wisdom. So that being said, if you're following along in your own Bible, flip a few pages back with me. We're going to start at the very beginning of the book of Proverbs. Let's, let's go through this whole journey as we begin this crash course series and start at the very beginning. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. Here's how it starts. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now, let me stop there for a second. The Proverbs, that just is a, is a word for wise sayings. This book of Proverbs, it's a bunch of wise sayings of Solomon, who is the son of David. Now, you probably remember David because we had a whole series dedicated to him called The Hunt over the summer. Anybody remember The, the Hunt? Anybody remember that series? It was all about David, who was a, a man after God's own heart. Now, David was one of these guys who's caught in this tug of war. He's caught in a dichotomy. He wants to be a person after God's own heart, yet he finds himself doing stupid stuff all the time. Perhaps you remember part of his story. Part of his story, he was up on the terrace one day. He's looking out over his palace, and he sees a woman bathing in the nude. She's up, out there bathing. He's like, he says to his messengers, bring her to me. Her name is Bathsheba. Bathsheba shows up. He winds up sleeping with her. She's a married woman. She's married to a guy named Uriah, who's a soldier in the army. He's out fighting in the war that King David should be fighting at as well. Well, they wind up getting pregnant. Bathsheba winds up getting pregnant. So he's like, oh, I can't have anybody find out about this affair. So I'm going to bring Uriah back from the war, try to convince him to sleep with his wife to cover up the whole affair. It doesn't work. So he sends him back to the war and murders him on the battlefield. He murders several other people on the battlefield as well. So now he's got murder covering up his affair. So this affair, Bathsheba's pregnant. She winds up delivering the child, but the child passes away as a punishment from God to David and Bathsheba of you shouldn't have an affair. Now then Bathsheba and David have a second child, and that second son is named Solomon. Solomon begins growing up. Well, David, King David, that's his dad. So David's like, I don't want my boy to go through the same mistakes that I've made. So David begins writing down a bunch of instructions, wise sayings, things that he should avoid, things that he should do. And he gives all that information to his son, Solomon. Now Solomon, as he grows a little bit older, grows up a little bit more, he starts implementing the things that King David had told him to do as his dad. So King Solomon, or Solomon, before he's the king, he starts implementing all this. And as he's implementing it, he falls in love with God. 
He's pursuing God. He's trying to honor God. And one day God comes to him in the book of 1 Kings chapter 3. Now, you don't have to flip there in your own Bibles because we're going to come right back to the book of Proverbs, but you can follow along on the screen with me. Here's what happens. God says to Solomon, after Solomon had been pursuing him and loving God, here's what God says to Solomon. He says, ask for whatever you want me to give you. God goes to Solomon and says, what do you want? I will hook you up. What do you want me to, to, to give to you? If God were to say that to you, what would you say? If God were to come to you one day and be like, hey, anything that you want, name it and claim it, what do you want? <laughs> the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl, you say. There's only so much God can do. <laughs> I've created the heavens and the earth, but I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> what would you ask for? Would you ask for... A new house? Would you ask for a new truck? Would you ask for a new wife? <laughs> You're not supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> would you ask for an unlimited supply of blank? What would it be for you? Mine would probably be Oreos. <laughs> Pastor confession. <laughs> what would you ask for? If God comes to you and says, I, I'm willing to give you anything you ask for, what would you say? Here's what Solomon said, verse 9. Solomon says back to God, he says, give your servant, speaking about himself, he says, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. In other words, he's asking God for wisdom. Now, is that what you would ask for? God came to you and said, hey, I'm willing to give you anything you ask for. Would you ask for wisdom, the ability to discern right from wrong, good from bad? That's what he asks for. Apparently, that's a pleasing answer to God. Verse 10 God says back to Solomon, the Lord, the Lord is pleased with Solomon that he had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for wisdom and not for a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. What a compliment to Solomon. Nobody's ever going to be like you. Nobody ever has been like you. You are one of a kind, Solomon. I'm going to give you more wisdom than anybody has ever had on planet Earth. He continues going on. God says to Solomon, verse 13, he says, moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Now, here's, here's what God is saying. He's saying, hey, you asked for wisdom, good call. That was a great answer. That's a great decision. So I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you a, a knowledge. I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you all the things. I'm, in addition to the things you haven't asked for, I'm going to give you all the, the, the health, long life, long days. I'm going to give you all this stuff because you answered so well with wisdom. Now, that's all good news, right? Up until the very next verse, verse 15, then Solomon woke up. Turns out everything, everything God had said was in a dream. He realized it had all been a dream. You ever be in the middle of a dream? You ever wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, no, that was the best dream ever. I want to go back. Let that be reality, God. Make that reality. Let me go back. <laughs> you try to go back into the dream and then you wake up after that and then you're like, okay, it was just a dream. I really didn't have that. The Cowboys really did not win the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Solomon wakes up. But it's, apparently it wasn't just a dream. God spoke to him in the dream. Sometimes God speaks to people through their dreams. And so it wasn't just a, a, his mind playing tricks on him. God really said these things. He said, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you wealth and riches and, and many years to come. So Solomon has the benefit of all this. And then Solomon himself has his own son named Rehoboam. 
So now there's David, who had a son named Solomon. Solomon has a son named Rehoboam, and Solomon wants to pay it forward like his dad had done for him. And so he says, I too want to give wisdom to my son. This is my legacy. And so I want to give my legacy. I want to help train my son in the way that he should go. So he starts writing down all these bits of wisdom. He takes some of the wisdom from dad, from King David. He takes some of the wisdom from other kings, other rulers, other mentors, other advisors, and he puts all of it into a tidy little package that we know as the book of Proverbs. So he takes that book to be able to give to his son. Now here's the interesting thing about the book of Proverbs. It's not all wisdom from just Solomon. He's pieced it together. It's kind of this compilation, which quite quite frankly is, is what you and I are. You and I are a compilation. We're all mutts. Now I know some of you on the back row, perhaps your hearing aids are turned down a little bit. I didn't call you nuts. Some of you are nuts. <laughs> That's not what I said. I said we're all mutts. M-U-T-S. We're all mutts. We're, we're pieced together from all sorts of different places. You are a walking collage. Part of what you understand, part of your knowledge, part of your wisdom, some of it comes from mom, some from dad, some from granddad, grandma, from a pastor, from a sermon, from a podcast, from a book, from the Bible. We take all this and it makes up who you are. You are a compilation. I've got some friends out in California and a lot of the people in that family, they're adopted into this family. So they refer to their family as the patchwork family, like a patchwork quilt. If you think of about a quilt, how a quilt looks, it all is pieced together. It's one big quilt, but it's pieced together. It has different parts. This doesn't look like this. This doesn't look like this. It's all merged together. That's how you and I are. We are a compilation. We're mutts. We we are just a, a, a compilation of all these different people and resources and people that have spoken into our lives. That's what the book of Proverbs is. But here's the difference between you and me and the book of Proverbs. The difference is that Solomon had a divine ability to discern what was right and wrong because that's what he asked God for. So when he's pulling in all these bits of wisdom from kings and rulers and advisors and King David and puts them into the book, the difference is that he was able to filter out the ungodly and only include the godly. So when we read the book of Proverbs, it's good stuff. It's golden nuggets of of godly wisdom because God had granted Solomon the ability to filter out anything that is not godly. So when we read the, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, and it says that, that, that these are the wise sayings of Solomon, it's not just Solomon. He's pulled them together from all sorts of different places, but it's filtered through Solomon through a divine ability to know what's right and wrong. So that's kind of the history in the background of the, the, the book of Proverbs. But then in verse 2, we see what Proverbs is all about. So verse 1 is, is the introduction of these are wise sayings from Solomon. But verse 2 continues on, and it says this book, Proverbs, is useful for gaining wisdom, and instruction, here's the purpose of why we would read, we would read Proverbs. Its purpose is for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Now, in all three of those verses, there's five characteristics that really stand out as far as why we would go to the book of Proverbs. Let's put them all on the screen. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Why do we go to the Proverbs? Why do we read them? For gaining for understanding, for receiving, for doing, and for giving. Now, you might be asking the, 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 the question, well, what? Gaining what? Understanding what? Receiving what? Doing what? Giving what? are we talking about? All of those five characteristics lead to the one main theme of wisdom. The reason why we would go to the book of Proverbs is to, to gain, understand, receive, and do, and give wisdom. It all comes back to wisdom. The entire book of Proverbs is all about the pursuit, the intentional pursuit of 
wisdom, which is why this entire series of Crash Course is all about pursuing wisdom. It's easy to raise our hands and say, hey, we want to pick wisdom over foolishness and stupidity, but it's another thing to actually live that out, to pursue wisdom. The whole book of Proverbs is dedicated to try to convince people like you and I, choose wisdom, choose wisdom, choose wisdom. Yet despite that, some people don't. And when you don't choose wisdom, when you don't choose good, godly decisions, you will find yourself on a crash course towards destruction. Perhaps some people even choose that. Perhaps you've heard of a woman named Jessie Combs. I'll have a picture of her. We'll put her picture up on the screen. This is Jessie. Now, maybe she looks familiar to you because she used to be on TV for, uh, she was in a few episodes of Mythbusters. She also had her own TV show called uh, Extreme 4x4. But perhaps you know her because about a year ago, she broke a record. She became the fastest woman on earth to drive a car. She went over 400 miles an hour, which is crazy because when I'm driving 120 on Main Street in Farmington, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> But 400 miles an hour, that, that's kind of crazy. And so just a few weeks ago, she said, you know what? I want to break my own record. I've already got the record. I'm the fastest woman on earth, but I want to be the faster woman on earth. And so she said, I want to go over 500 miles an hour. So she, she had people build her a car. I have a picture of her car that's actually a converted airplane. Look at this. I mean, it, it literally is a converted airplane. It's a jet-powered car. Somehow, you know, airplanes take off when they reach a certain speed. This one stays to the ground, or at least it's supposed to. But uh, this picture was taken August 28th. Three days after this picture was taken, she straps into this car, this plane converted into a car. She straps in, starts going to try to break her own land speed record by going over 500 miles an hour, and something tragic took place, and unfortunately, she crashed. Paramedics raced out to the desert where she was. By the time they got there, they pronounced her dead on the scene. She was 39 years old. Three days prior to the accident, three days prior to her death, she posted this picture on Instagram, and I know you can't read it very well, but let me read the caption that she put up here. She said, these are the words of Jesse right before she passed away. She said, it may seem a little crazy to walk directly into the line of fire. Those who are willing are those who achieve great things. Right underneath that, she said, people say I'm crazy. I say thank you. Now, some people are willing to walk towards potential harm. Some people in the name of breaking a record, in the name of a thrill, some people are willing to do what they know is harmful. People say she's crazy. She says, thank you. I appreciate that. Now, she gave everything. She knew she was walking towards potentially destruction. She was willing to risk everything, including her life, to break her record. Now, here's the difference between most people and somebody like Jesse Combs. Most people that are going the wrong direction, that are heading towards destruction, there's a lot of people that are, that are risking everything as well, but they simply don't know it. Jessie knew what she was doing. She was willing to risk everything, and it was a calculated decision. This I'm willing to do. I'm willing to give up my life. I'm willing to give up my relationships. I'm willing to give up everything for the pursuit of this thrill and breaking the record. I'm willing to do that. I know the risk. But other people are risking everything. They're going the wrong way in life, and they don't even know it. They have no idea that they're risking everything. And that's part of, part of the realization that we need to come to is that we need to realize that sometimes we're heading the wrong direction, and sometimes that red, or the wrong direction is heading towards a crash, we're about to derail our life. Consider these statistics. The National Transportation Safety Board says that 355 people die in head-on wrong-way collisions every single year in the United States. 355 people die. That's almost one per day in a, in a wrong-way head-on collision. It is estimated that you are 24 times more likely to die in a head-on car crash than any other type of car crash. It's a very dangerous type of accident when people are going the wrong way. 
So much to the point where there's many countries around the, around the world that have made it a law. It's, it's against the law to drive the wrong way in traffic. They've made it punishable by up to $10,000 in fines or up to five years in prison if you were caught driving the wrong direction. Now, here's the reality. Even though there's penalties associated with it, you could get a ticket, you could go to jail, you could get fined. Even though there's penalties, for the average person, if you're driving the wrong way on the street, it is a legitimate accident. Most people don't mean to do that. Perhaps you take the, the off-ramp and you turn it into an on-ramp. There's those signs that say, wrong way, do not enter. It's trying to help you understand you're going the wrong way. And when people realize it, maybe they turn onto a one-way street and they don't realize there's oncoming traffic. When people realize that, most people simply turn around and start going the right direction. Now, there's a whole other group of people out there. You're intentional about going the wrong way because you're causing harm to yourself. Maybe there's depression. Maybe there's anxiety. Maybe you're suicidal. And if, if that's you, and you know you're going the wrong direction, and you're being reckless with your life because you just don't care about your life, friend, your life has value. Life is a gift. It is precious. And, and if you are struggling with that, come and talk to me after this service, because I would love to get you the right type of help and the right messages, because you've bought into a lie that your, your life is worth throwing away when it's not. For most people, however, when they're going the wrong direction, and they realize they're going the wrong direction, they simply turn around. So you perhaps fit into one of three different categories this morning. One category is right now you're on a crash course towards destruction and you don't even know it. Maybe throughout the course of this series, we can help you understand how to get the right way. Maybe you can help understand where you've been going the wrong way and you're on a crash course headed towards destruction, towards ruining your life. Maybe you're in that category. You're going the wrong way, but you don't even know it. Or you've been denying it. Or you're apathetic about it. Maybe you're in that category. There's another category of people. You've already wrecked your life. You've, you've already lost your marriage or your family, your career, your reputation. You've already crashed your life. But you don't ever, ever want to do that again. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've already crashed and burned and you're like, I don't ever want to make those mistakes ever again. There's a third category of people. Maybe you fit into this third category of people. The third category is that you're on the right path right now, but you're not foolish enough to think that you're not susceptible to a temptation. You're one poor decision away from throwing in everything, from ruining everything, from risking everything. So you're probably in one of these three categories. You're going the wrong way right now, and you're unaware of it, or you're apathetic to it, you're denying it, or you've been there, you've done that, you don't want to do that again, or you're going the right way, but you don't want to make mistakes that are going to destroy your life. You don't want to be on the crash course. Now, you're probably, you're probably in one of those three categories, probably in one of those areas. Now, my challenge to you is to continue coming back over the next couple of weeks to continue to figure out what it is to pursue wisdom. It's one thing to raise your hand and say you want wisdom. It's another thing to be intentional about pursuing it. So come back the next couple of weeks as we begin unpacking more and more as far as what does it look like to be a person who is wise. But between now and then, let me give you the starting point. If you're somebody who says, okay, I want to be somebody who is wise. I don't want stupidity. I don't want to be like the dog going back to his vomit and, and, and continuing to do that over and over and over. I don't want that. I want to be somebody who's wise. You have to be intentional. But where do you start? Where do you begin? There's a starting point that's listed in, in uh, Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It says this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. The starting point is fear of the Lord. The, the beginning point is to, to fear the Lord. Now, let me talk about that word fear for a second, because in the original Hebrew language in which Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, that word fear is this. It's pronounced yira. It looks like yer or yare, but it's yira, like yee-haw, only yira. <laughs> yira means this. It means respect. 
it means reverence. So if we're to take respect and replace it with that word fear so we can properly understand this verse, let's put the revised verse back up on the screen and we switched out fear with respect. The respect of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Where do you begin getting wisdom? Where do you begin getting, getting knowledge? Respect God. Respect God. Respect his word. Respect his authority. Respect the fact that God knows better than you do in your life. Respect the fact that, that he cares for you. Respect the fact that he gives us a roadmap in scripture to, to live our lives by. Respect is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge in our life. So that's where we begin this process. And if you choose to pursue wisdom, there's some perks, there's some benefits for you. Solomon talks about them in Proverbs 9:11. He says this, for through wisdom, your days will be many and years will be added to your life. This is the same promise he gave to Solomon. He said, I'm going to add, I'm, I'm add days to your life, years to your life. Now, I think Partly because of you're not making stupid decisions that might cost you years of your life. <laughs> Perhaps that's why you were going to live longer when you're a person who is wise. Solomon continues on in verse 12. He says, if you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. If you are wise, you will be rewarded because of your wisdom. But if you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. Now, what is a mocker? A mocker is somebody who says, I don't need God. I hear what the scripture says, I hear what the Bible says, but, but that's for lame people. That's for people who need a crutch in their lives like religion or faith or God or Jesus or the Bible. That's what a mocker is. A mocker perhaps is a family member or a friend or a co-worker that says, why do you even go to church? That, that's, that's for pansies. Why would you bother going, going to church on a Sunday morning? Why don't you just go to the lake? Why don't you just go do other things? Why don't you just have fun in life? Why bother having God in your life? That's a mocker. But a mocker is not just somebody who doesn't go to church. Oftentimes mockers can be right here in church as well. Because a mocker could also be somebody who's been in the church for 50 years, 60 years. And, and when somebody like me gets up and I share scriptures, you're like, I know everything there is to know. There's nothing new under the sun that I can learn. There's nothing else that I can be challenged with. There's no other ways that I can grow. A mocker is somebody who says, you know what, you know, I'm going to go find another church. I'm going to leave this church and go find another church where the messages are deeper, where I can, I can get more out of the, the message. The truth is, is that we could share any scripture any scripture at all, and it can be applicable to people who have an open heart and an open mind for saying, God, what do you want to speak to me? Here's what God says through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 55, 11, the words of the Lord. He says this, he says, my word goes out from my mouth and it will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word does not come back void. You could be a mocker. You could say, I have nothing to learn. I, I've been in church for a long, long time, so, so this is for all the other baby Christians. It's for people that don't know a whole lot. Or you could say, you know what? I'm going to continue to grow. I'm going to ask God, what can you teach me? What else can I, what, what else can I learn? How can I add to my knowledge? Here's what Solomon says, Proverbs 9.9. 9. He says, instruct the wise, and they will be wiser. It's possible for wise people to become even more wise. Continues on. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. It's possible for somebody who is wise to get wiser. It's possible for somebody who has learned a lot about the Bible to learn more about the Bible. A mocker is somebody who says, you know what, I've plateaued. I've, I've arrived. There's nothing else that God can teach me. There's nothing else that a pastor or a sermon can teach me. I'm good. Somebody who says, I want to continue learning. Somebody who says, I, I want to continue growing in my wisdom. That is somebody who is wise. So friends, you and I have a choice. We have a dichotomy. We get to pick this or that. Do you want to be somebody who is wise or somebody who's foolish in God's eyes, somebody who is stupid in God's eyes, somebody who's, who's perhaps even a mocker in God's eyes. Which do we want? We can raise our hand all day long and say, I want to be somebody who's wise, 
or we can back that up based on our actions, and we can choose wisdom. So through the course of this series, I want to encourage you, come back each week because we're talking about how to become more and more wise, how to add more wisdom to whatever you already have, to become somebody who continues to learn and grow as wise people do. So here's the challenge. Here's the challenge should you be willing to accept it. The challenge is that I want to invite you to go through the book of Proverbs with me. I want to invite the entire church to go through the book of Proverbs. Now, here's the beautiful thing about the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is 31 chapters long, and many months are 31 days long. So here's what millions of people throughout the world do. What they do is that on the first of the month, say September 1st, they read chapter 1. September 2nd, they read chapter 2. Today is September 8th, so you could read chapter 8. Tomorrow is September 9th. You could read chapter 9. You get to the end of the month, and then you start back over again. October, you read chapter 1 on October 1st. On October 2nd, you read chapter 2. So here's my challenge. Over the next 30 days, the next 31 days, I want to encourage you to read 31 chapters of Proverbs. Now, a mocker might hear that and be like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't need to add anything to, to my knowledge. I'm, I'm busy. i got other stuff going on. I don't need to add to my wisdom. But somebody who wants to become wise, somebody who says, I want to grow in my wisdom, is somebody who's saying, you know what? Okay. Challenge accepted. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. I'm going to read a chapter of Proverbs. And to be honest with you, it might take you five minutes. You can do this first thing when you wake up. You can do it sitting at a red light. You can do it on your lunch break. You can find time to, to read a chapter of Proverbs for five minutes a day for the next 31 days. If you want to be somebody who is wise, back it up. Say that you're willing to grow in your wisdom. A mocker says, I'm good. I don't have anything to learn. There's nowhere for me to grow. Somebody who's wise is going to add to their wisdom. So here's how you can join us churchwide in a study. We have a churchwide study of the book of Proverbs. You can send a text message to, of Deeper to 505-412-4880 to join this study called Hashtag Wisdom. It's 31 days in Proverbs. You want to join us churchwide, send the text message of Deeper, 505-412-4880. You don't have to join us as a church, though. If you want to just do it on your own, you're welcome to. You want to start in chapter 1 today? Start in chapter 1. You want to start in chapter 8 because today's the 8th? Then start in chapter 8. Bottom line is, if you want to grow in wisdom, you can you want to ask God for more wisdom, you can. If you want to add to your knowledge, you can. If you want to be somebody who continues returning to your stupid decisions over and over and over, you can. If you want wisdom, if you want to pick wisdom over foolishness, you have to pursue it. You have to be intentional. So keep coming back. Start reading a chapter a day of Proverbs and see if that doesn't add to your wisdom. See if God doesn't speak to you about whatever season, whatever chapter that you're in. Test God in this. See if there's things that you're learning, things that you're growing in. Wise people continue to grow. And for the people who are wise, they grow in their wisdom. Wisdom pays you. You reap benefits of wisdom. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a person who just raises my hand and says, I want to be a person who is wise. I want to choose wisdom. I want to be somebody who actually lives that out. I want to gain it. I want to understand it. I want to receive it. I want to do it. I want to give it away. I want to, I want to just bathe in wisdom. I want to learn as much as I possibly can. I never want to stop growing. As iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. We can sharpen each other. We can challenge each other, and we can pursue wisdom. So I want to invite you on this journey as we join this series of Crash Course, I want to invite you to grow in wisdom. Why? Because you are the beneficiary. You are the one that gets something out of it. And you, when you grow in wisdom, you will reap rewards for it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person that's here this morning. I thank you for the fact that they've chosen to get up and be here. They had a choice this morning, stay in bed or come to church. And I thank you for the fact that they chose to come to church. 
We were presented with, a, with another choice in Scripture this morning in Proverbs 14.8. Choose wisdom or folly. Choose wisdom or foolishness or stupidity. God, I pray that each one of us doesn't just choose it by raising our hands, that we don't just choose wisdom, but that we take steps in pursuing wisdom. With this whole book of Proverbs that you've given to us, it's a roadmap. It gives us a guide for how to live our lives, for what to do, what not to do, for, for what we should invest our time in, what should we avoid our time and spending our time doing. So God, I, I thank you for the fact that you make it very clear in your word how we should live our lives. I pray that none of us here this morning will be content with being a mocker by saying that I have nothing else to, to learn. I, I can't grow anymore. I'm too busy to have this in my life. I pray, God, that we are people who choose to grow in our wisdom and that in doing so, you would grant us wisdom, increased knowledge, that we could continue to grow, that we could continue to be students of your word, and that you would bless us because of that. So, Father, I thank you for, for the fact that you love us so much that you don't just expect us to figure it out. You give us your word, your living word. It changes us. It transforms us. We say thank you for that. And it's in your son's name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.